welcome to the Max 6 Community Connections radio show and podcast with your host, Jennifer Burwell and Kyle McIntosh. Max 6 builds better communities where people and businesses thrive. We are broadcasting live from the Max 6 Entrepreneurial Center in Tempe, Arizona, and we'll be shining a light on the incredible stories of businesses we work with and how they are serving our broader community. And here is this week's Community Connection. Let's start with what's up, Jen? How are you doing today? (laughs) I am doing well. How are you? Pretty good. Good to see you. On uh, today's show, we have a fun guest joining us from outside the direct Max 6 community and a member of our community uh, at large by way of the Tempe Chamber, uh, David Burkhardt, who is the executive director of the Valley of the Sun YMCA Tempe facility. Welcome. Thank you so much. Thanks for having us on, or me on, not us. (laughs) Yeah, welcome. So... I guess uh, first, just tell us a little bit about yourself. Uh, where did you grow up? How did you get from there to where you're sitting right here today? Yeah, no, I appreciate you guys having me on, uh, shining a light on the why. Uh, we've been doing a lot um, during this pandemic, as a lot of people have been. And um, But for me, uh, I, I grew up in New York, um, probably 40 minutes north of New York City, Westchester County, and uh, I, I took uh, I was there first eighteen years of my life, and then I went to Springfield College, uh, which is in Massa- Western Massachusetts. If you don't know, Springfield College uh, invented basketball. Really? Yeah. So kind of a cool little uh, factoid. Um, and actually, it used to be called the YMCA Training School when it opened uh, in 1885. Uh, so there's a little connection there that I'll, that uh, is a little foreshadowing. So, wow. yeah. Um, but I went there uh, to be a physical education teacher. Um, it was between there and Hartford University. And if uh, I was going into business and following in my dad's footsteps, I was going to go to Hartford. And uh, if I wanted to do PE, I was going to go to Springfield. And uh, I chose Springfield, but then switched to business. So go figure. <laughs> um, spent four years there. And uh, stayed on for an extra year. Um, I got my MBA in nonprofit management. Um, And so, um, you know, I kind of combined, you know, the background of the why that's at Springfield College. Um, If you don't know, the YMCA has a Hall of Fame. It's located there, too. Oh, wow. Yeah, so I I got some internship opportunities. Um, There was a Y Club on campus. Um, In my senior year, um, I just like to go travel and uh, and uh, I did that through spring alternative spring break trips in college. And it, so excuse for me to get into the Y at, school, at college was uh, to go on cheap spring break trips. And uh, so my senior year, I ended up, well, I should back up my freshman year. I went to actually San Diego, you know, being an East Coast boy, that was like a brand new thing. And we actually learned about something very relevant today, which is border issues. And so... Uh, that was my freshman year, and we even got to stay in, um, uh, it's called Casa de Yimka. So if you, like, phonetically sound, say YMCA Yimka, uh. Uh, you know, <laughs> Casa de Yimka, um, it was actually a place for, it, this, this was in Tijuana, Mexico. So we spent two days of our trip down to Tijuana, and we stayed there. And uh, it was a place for if, um, at the border, if parents and their kids got separated, they would send the kids actually to the Casa de Yimka until they were reunited. Wow. Which is like something relevant, very relevant going on right now. And um, so it's, it's kind of wild that that happened, you know, you know, 10 years ago at this point and, or maybe more, but uh, my math isn't great. But um, so that was my first, first uh, kind of step into the why and how, you know, 
the Y Conserver community in different manners. Um, and then my senior year, I co-chaired a trip to London, England um, through the Y Club. It was a YMCA history history uh, um, uh, trip. And uh, the whole purpose of that trip was to uh, kind of, you know, the YMCA started in London, England in 1844. Um, um, a guy named Sir George Williams started it and you know he's actually you know he's knighted sir sir george williams and he was he's actually buried right now with all the kings and queens of england in uh god what's the major uh, church there i'm trying to think westminster abbey yes yeah so so you you know you got all the major kings and queens and then you got this guy that started the y and so that's how important he was to wow. you know london and england's uh development during that time and so um, again, I went there, you know, f- for a fun trip, but <laughs> I, I learned a lot too, um, co-chairing that trip. Uh, so that was my senior year. And then I stayed on, uh, you know, I didn't really know what I wanted to do. Uh, probably, you know, 2011 was right after the housing market crash. And, you know, I was kind of k- punting down a, a year by staying on. Um, and my wife was a year behind me. So it was an excuse to stay on. My now wife uh, sure. was, was uh, still at school, so it was an excuse to stay on for an extra year, and uh, and so got my MBA in nonprofit management. So, you know, I got this YMCA background already. Um, I got this business background. You know, we're a nonprofit, but we are a business. Yeah. Um, um, and then I got this PE background too, original interest. So you know, physical physical education and movement, and so. Um, just literally, I thought the YMCA would be the best opportunity for me to get a job, you know, when I meshed all those things together. So that's, that's kind of how I started. And here you are today. And here I am today. Um, uh, I'm looking at my watch that doesn't have the year on, but, uh, about eight years, eight years later, uh, still working at the Y. And so. That's awesome. Oh, there's a lot to unpack in there. So let me. Uh, right. That's why I figured I'd break. Oh, thank you. That's, yeah. uh, so just relevant to uh, what you were talking about with the travel and, mm-hmm. hey, this is a working trip, but getting to experience a new place and learning what Jen and I both did prior to uh, when I started Max 6, Jen was actually my boss uh, at the Leukemia Lymphoma Society. And one of their fundraising arms, uh, team in training, where we'd go and uh, there would be groups of people training for marathons, triathlons, uh, long distance events and fundraising for for LLS. And we'd go, I mean, it'd be these work trips to a marathon, but you'd be in San Francisco or Ireland or wherever you were. It's like, well, when you're there, you're there. You get to experience the city and right. learn these things. And so I, I just sit here and... Uh, it must have been a really cool experience to not just learn for the sake of learning, but like, man, you have this, like, you've been to the place where the history started for this organization that you, that you are still with eight years later. I mean, that's pretty cool. Yeah. It's, it's incredible. It's incredibly awesome. Especially we, we just, this is our, um, I think, I think 2019 was our 175th year uh, the Y. So, wow. um, and I've been to the original YMCA. So like, that's, that's pretty cool. That's very cool. Yeah. I was just reflecting as you were talking in, um, I don't like a week ago or, or so about the amazing ability for, for young people, like college students, um, to get involved in nonprofit organizations that also have that travel component. Um, because like, like we were all talking about, we got to see all these great places in the world 
for really cheap. And like, I mean, Kyle and I were getting paid to go to these places and also experience. And, and I, I was reminiscing now that we can't really travel of like all the places that we got to go and what a great opportunity it is. Um, and so I, I, I kind of hope that for all college students to be able to experience that on some level, um, combined with the education piece, it just helps, I think, shape your worldview of the world so much bigger than just you. Totally. But I do have a question and it's a really basic question. So Mm -hmm. forgive me because I've always known about the YMCA, but I don't fully understand like all of the things that you do. And you talked about um, the Yimka um, place, which is really interesting by the border, but like, what are all of the things that the YMCA does to support the community? Yeah, no, great question. Um, And I I would say that uh, unfortunately, I think a lot of people are in the same boat as you. And, um, you know, they, a lot of people view us as a gym and swim. Um, And there has been that, uh, you know, brand on us, uh, you know, in the nineties and things like that. And, you know, as we were building facilities during that time. And we're, we're so much more than that. Um, so uh, locally here, oh, and I'll, I'll start off by saying too, every YMCA serves their community differently. Um, so that that's that's imperative to know. So, you know, my first set of Ys I work for were in the Boston area. And, you know, they serve their community differently than out here in Arizona. Uh, so for instance, for instance, Arizona, uh, we uh, we have a big, big program around safety around water. And, um, and not that Boston doesn't, you know, we teach them, we taught some lessons there too. Uh, but here it's, it's, it has a little bit more of an edge to it because, um, if, if you don't know, Arizona is, uh, you know, uh, top four states in, in the country with drownings, unfortunately. And we're actually seeing a spike right now because, uh, you know, uh, this year, because people haven't been able to go do swim lessons. Oh. But with that said, uh, of the those four states, um, you know, the other ones are California, Florida, and Texas. All three of those states have coastlines, and and we don't have a coastline. So we're we're building the the pools, and we got we got to protect the children. You know, so that's just a, a, a for instance in how Arizona um, specifically is is serving our community. We do. Um, you know, we do youth sports, uh, before and after school programming, um, you know, right now, uh, school's out, but we're in session, uh, with our kids. Uh, we have a preschool, uh, and then there's a huge health and wellness component as well. And so, uh, you know, our here, our site here in Tempe, uh, was built like 30 something years ago. And so there's a lot of folks who, you know, Tempe is being one of the first suburbs, um, moved here and they went to the brand new Y. And, um, and they're still there, you know, they've raised their kids and now they're, they're coming to basketball games with their grandkids, which is really cool. That's very cool. Um, so to to answer your question, Jennifer, it's, you know, every community gets served in a different capacity. Um, I would even say there's little differences between, uh, you know, Tempe and Chandler YMCAs and how we, you know, what we focus on and, uh, you know, how we serve our, our kids, uh, you know, our families, you know, but, you know, it goes back to the Casa de Imca. That's how, you know, in Tijuana, Mexico, how they're going to serve their community and how to best best serve them. So, um, so yeah. I want to go back to something you said in the beginning because it, it's just so relevant to what you're talking about. And, I mean, first of all, going community to community and asking the question, what do you need, community? And we can come up with some cool, creative ways to help serve that need. I mean, that's so, that's so interesting. And it, of course it makes sense that I heard something, um, Arizona is the only place on earth, 
uh, that has so many swimming pools that they create their own atmospheres at times throughout, that we create our own atmosphere at times throughout the year. Uh, so of course it makes sense that there'd be a list that we'd be high up on and here's something that we can serve. And you said something early on about, uh, you were talking a little bit about uh, nonprofits and business. And uh, one of the things that we did early on uh, with Max 6 separately is uh, started a nonprofit called Conscious Capitalism Arizona. And the way that I very simply describe that is for-profit and nonprofit is just a tax distinction. And so how do you have the heart of a nonprofit with the, with the horsepower of a for-profit? Pair those two things together and ask the question exactly how you phrase it is, how can I serve you? How can I best serve my stakeholders, my customers, my community? And in doing that, the, to the best of my ability, will be long-term, more sustainable, profitable, able to help more people, able to bring kids in where their grandparents have been here before. I mean, it's, it's an amazing thing. Uh, totally. And it's, it's actually one of the reasons uh, I love what you guys are doing here at Max six. Um, you know, uh, I, I, I've read up on you guys. Uh, you guys have been, you know, the, um, the talk of the town in Tempe, uh, I would say for the past several years. And so at least being new to Tempe, like I, I, I view you guys as that. And, um, and yeah, it's, uh, it's, how are we going to best serve our community? That's the question. All communities have been disrupted to say the least in right. the last number of months. Uh, at best. Uh, and so how, how does it work where, I mean, it's an obvious time where, okay, everybody's going through something. We probably have to re-ask the question, how do we best serve our community now? But I imagine from time to time, things come up where this is sort of always changing. The demographics, the needs of the community are changing. How do you guys look at that and assess? Yeah. Um, that's a really good question. Um, I, I think a lot of it, um, uh, to your question about assessing it, um, I have an advisory board um, at my Y. And then, you know, we're, my Y is part of uh, 15 branches. Um, so we, we're called the Valley of the Sun YMCA. And, you know, I, our branch serves the Tempe community and actually some in North Chandler and West Mesa as well. Uh, just from where we're uh, situated in uh, on rural road there. And uh, so, you know, our branch is, uh, you know, has an advisory board for our community. Um, and so we, we get people that, you know, try to work or live in the community or have even just a passion for the Tempe Y because maybe they grew up there and, um, you know, they were helped at one point or um, whatever it may be. Well, we have an advisory board that um, helps me get plugged into the community about what are the needs and, you know, where are, where are resources needed and, and how can we best serve that? Um, and the why is just really a vehicle for that um, to help execute it. You know, that's how I best put it. But I rely on my board a lot for that assessing. Very cool. How, so I know I've heard loosely that the why um, has played a really critical role through the pandemic. And I know that, you know, we're all, those of us with young children have been trying to manage working from home and kids and schools closing and not closing. So what have you guys been doing? What have you been up to? Have you been able to operate? What's been happening during the pandemic for you? 
Yeah. Um, being an organization that has, uh, um, is so versatile and, and, um, you know, has so many branches and arms, uh, we actually, we never actually had to close at all during the pandemic. We closed in operations like health and wellness and sports and stuff like that. Um, on, on, uh, St. Patrick's day, <laughs> that, that the St. Patrick's day will always be seared into my mind. <laughs> on St. Patrick's day, we closed a lot of our operations and, um, but we were still, we never closed our door for emergency childcare services. So we had a ton of families, um, you know, that would drop off their kids they and they'd be in scrubs and they were about to go to the hospitals to go work, you know, pull a 10-hour shift or something like that. Grocery store, people that work at the grocery stores, uh, stuff like that. So when when the pandemic, like, you know, everything first shut down, um, we that's what we offered, emergency childcare services. Um, and we got some um, partnership from the uh, state uh, to do that now, while you know it didn't didn't cover 100 percent of expenses, it was it was sure helpful. Um, but also, we, you know, at that time there was no more ga- no gatherings of ten or more, um, so our ratios were one to nine with staff and kids um, to help with that. And so, you know, that means you know staff costs are going to go up sure. as well. Um, uh, so that was something I was really proud of. Uh, really proud of my teammates. Uh, really proud of my staff. Um, you know, we had some program directors that might typically teach swim lessons that ha- had to get into childcare, and um, you know, we we give an exceptional um, level of uh, childcare services, and it was different, and it was really cool. And we had a sports director, you know, running running a, a essentially a sports clinic for the kids, um, and it was like a high quality tournament, you know, during during like emergency childcare services where, you know, it's it's a bleak time, and you know, just to help keep these kids, you know, you know, uh, distracted in a good way. Um, and, you know, being kids, um, while being safe and clean and, you know, we had staff just going right behind any of our groups, just cleaning the room that they were just in. And, you know, we would, uh, we'd have stamps on the kids' hands and every 10 minutes, the stamps, we'd reapply stamps. And so they had to go wash their hands off. So we knew that they, they washed their hands. So we got creative in what we were doing, Smart. Yeah, and and it's that's probably you know I've been working at the Y you know, over eight years now, and that's probably the, those uh, several weeks immediately after we shut down was probably the most proud I've been to work for the Y and and you know uh, an organization ever. So it's a, it's amazing. I you and I know a Allie Anderson now, mm-hmm. uh, and uh, hearing from her about I mean she'd just be exhausted at the end of the day right. because you know you're everybody's sort of on right and having to figure things out and there's so many moving pieces and then the uh, amazing responsibility to be uh able to watch these kids for people that like are you know absolutely needed where they need to be whether at hospitals or uh, grocery stores and I just I'd hear or see I'd, I'd uh, be messaging hey do you guys want to hang out this weekend no Ali's just got to crash like she's just exhausted and so it's uh i mean it's gotta feel you've got to i can imagine that you would feel so many things at the same time this sense of pride and also this sort of constant sense of movement of like all right what's next how are we going to do this and so i mean i i haven't my kids haven't gone and and taken the opportunity to go to the y during this time but like i have been so hugely appreciative of what you guys are doing uh it's been incredible to see and and hear again right now 
Yeah, well, thank you. And, and you're spot on. And uh, the one, the one, if you're gonna have a plus side with doing all this, is that we, you know, we were closed on weekends for the first time in a while. So <laughs> th- that was really a time to recharge and uh, you know spend spend with your, you know, my own family. So. So I have a question that comes to mind through all of this. Um, how, like, how did you maintain your um, staff culture or morale? Because I think offering the service, like we were just talking about, it, is it was really, it is really important. I know our school, uh, my kids go to a Montessori school in Tempe and they were trying to figure out what to do. Do we close? Do we stay? And there were parents who would stand up and say, I'm a police officer. I work at the hospital. I'm grocery. Like I, I still have to go to work. What, what's going to happen to my kids? And it was super emotional. Um, but I also know on the staff side, there was a lot of fear about the unknown and what's going to happen. And if I get sick and, and I'm just so always so curious about company culture and, 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 leadership in these moments. So is there something that sticks out to you on how everyone kind of kept up morale and kept going, I guess? Yeah. Yeah. It's a lot of coffee and pizza. <laughs> uh, no, that was, uh, those are the frills that, uh, that were no brainers, uh, for our staff, but our staff were working, you know, as, as, uh, you alluded to it, you know, we were looking, working long hours, you know, not something, uh, not that we're not built for it, um, but some of the, some of these folks, you know, have been working in childcare for seven or eight hours in a day. And, and, and so uh, strategic breaks uh, for them. Uh, and I would say one thing uh, that I'm, I'm just so, I don't say this often, but blessed to be here in the Valley of the Sun YMCA is um, our culture here prior to the pandemic has been incredible. Uh, just just the love of of the uh, the love for the why that the staff have is just off the charts, and I've never you know previous whys I've worked for that has not been the case, and so um, you know if you want to say we're prepared in some regards, uh, we were, and and just like you know, but but now we we do have scars, right? We have these scars that only you know my program directors and my branch know about me, you know, and and it's. It's been tough. There's been laughing, there's been crying, and there's, um, but it was to help serve our community. And that's what it comes down to at the very end. And so, you know, but, you know, we have, at the time we were having weekly staff rallies. Um, Tonight we actually have one now. They've gone to like probably bi weekly or monthly, depending on, but um, we've had a lot to celebrate. Um, You know, different departments have come through, like, you know, when the pandemic first hit our grant writing department, just like rock stars, um, you know, finding, finding resources for us, uh, you know, to, to help, help us live another month or another six months, you know, whatever it is. And, and so you'd be celebrating different things in different capacities. And, um, but on a day-to-day basis, you know, you know, your folks at your branch that you worked with, you know, it was, it, it was a grind, but it, you love them and the, you know, you have these scars, but you all recognize your own scars. And so it's interesting. I, I, it's, haven't thought of this exact analogy, but I've been trying to think about it a little bit until just now. But every once in a while, it's like um, you're existing in the world, but you've got a colander over you. And so you get the light shone on you, but not all the way through. It's coming through circles. and But you get this uh, these moments every once in a while, whether for whatever reason, where that gets taken away and all the lights on, you can see everything and it's the spotlight's on you. The pandemic is uh, one of those things. And so to your uh, statement that you were in some ways prepared for this because you had already been putting in place a good culture with people who wanted to be there and believed in the mission, 
I mean, in some ways, like you said, the scars and the tears and the, the happiness and the sadness, and it's going to bring out some of those things too, that, oh, wow, we haven't, we wouldn't have ever thought of this perhaps, but look, we can think through this and do it even better going forward because we were forced, you know, this, the calendar got taken away, all the lights on us. And guess what? We have this thing we can make even better. Is there anything that you've, uh, I mean, completely shifted, done differently that maybe you won't even go back to? Uh, have you learned any new things that uh, bring value to the community that you're just how you run the organization? Yeah, I, I absolutely. I mean, if you're not learning from the past seven months, it's like, <laughs> you know, what do you, you, you got to be learning because, uh, you know, God forbid something like this would ever happen again. But it's and, and for us here in, in Phoenix, we've like shut down, opened up, shut down, opened up. And so like that's a different wrinkle that I know colleagues back east haven't had to deal with. You know, it was one shut down and one opening up. And but the second time we did that. We were like, oh, yeah, this is like another Monday. And like, you know, it, it wasn't great, but it, we were used to it. Like we knew what to do. And one thing, uh, you know, I think the why is really good at is building the plane while we're flying it. And um, that's one thing I, I think we're extremely well, we do well on. And and this, that has been what this pandemic has been. And so not that we've made all the right a thousand percent decisions as anyone can you know are there a thousand percent right decisions <laughs> right but um I, I would say um you know some things that we learned probably from this is efficiency uh this was a great learning opportunity for uh my program directors um you know who just who are just you know relatively new to the why to learn other areas um so that's been a plus in professional development um you know i want them to be executive directors one day and so now they know how to run childcare, and like that's that's a big plus so very cool are you so are you guys a 501c6 or three uh, three three yep. okay and so how does it what does that look like for the funding uh you said your grant writers you know right in the beginning hey got to work and they did an awesome job but i mean it's got to be a little bit different than it has been as people have are you know, essentially staying at home a lot more. How did, what does that look like for you guys right now? Yeah. Um, yeah, there's, that's a, that's a lot to unpack that question, but, uh, I would say one thing that we did, um, you know, when the pandemic first hit, you know, we have, you know, tons of grants coming in, in tons of different communities, uh, for tons of different reasons. And so, uh, one of the first things we did that was very helpful, you know, for our success, um, you know, to get through this thing was, um, any of the grants that we were already rewarded to us or, you know, we, we received, uh, we actually went back to all those grant funders and asked them, hey, can we reallocate these funds? And so I'll give an example. Um, uh, the Tempe Diablos. Uh, the Tempe Diablos are a wonderful supporter of the Y, have been for several years. Um, and they typically, um, you know, uh, fund us, help fund us for safety around water and summer camp and, you know, scholarships and things like that. Uh, we asked them if we can put it towards emergency child care services. And they, um, and I don't think we had any of our funders say no. Um, you know, it's something that they've already budgeted for. Um, they know it's going to help the community for a greater good. Um, and so for all of them, it's a no-brainer. And they're like, yeah, do what you got to do. But yeah. I, I would say that was like probably the number one thing we did right off the bat that was huge for us. Um, I know just for here at Tempe, I probably had four or five that I asked to reallocate. And they all said, yes, no problem. So that makes a lot of sense. I mean, they're, they're your stakeholders and they've allocated these funds to what you're saying, uh, historically has been a need in the community, but guess what? 
like that, it changed. And so that, that's awesome. That's really, I'm really glad to hear that that was such a, uh, relatively easy process to go through. Right. Um, Dave, where does your funding come from? Is it majority through grants or is it a combination? Uh, yeah, no, we, we, um, so in the business aspect, we, we, we go out and get a lot of our revenue ourselves, um, you know, Mm -hmm. with, um, membership dues. And so, you know, member, a membership due to the Y will help, you know, pay for our lights and pay for, you know, the water bill and pay for, um, you know, salaries and stuff like that. Operation, it's all operational heavy. Um, and then, uh, what's really nice when we fundraise money, um, and not a lot of nonprofits get to say this, uh, when we fundraise money, uh, it's typically about hundred percent of those dollars go right back into the community because we have this great thing called membership that helps, you know, pays for those things. Um, you know, like the nuts and bolts. And, and then mm-hmm. when we've, when we raise a dollar, we give the dollar back out to the community. So I'm not, I'm not going to knock any nonprofits at all, but like you see commercials and it says, Oh, 60% of the dollar goes towards what the, the causes us it's probably like 98 to 99 percent it's uh well go ahead i was just i was just thinking i mean it's back to the for-profit non-profit it's it's a business right Right. it's like how do we how do we reach the most amount of people and so if it's 60 percent it's like well what are you maybe there's efficiency issues or what is that 60 percent doing but i mean if you're able to basically be self-sustainable with the revenue that's coming in and then turn a hundred percent of it back into the community. That's, that's, that is really something to be proud of and pretty incredible. Yeah. It's a, it's a big, it's a big machine. So it's, it's a, it's good to be part of it for sure. Um, and so, yeah, we, we have grant fund funding. We have, um, I run an annual campaign every year. Um, and so, um, which is really great when I started in 2018, um, I think we hit, uh, when I walked in the door, we were at 53,000 for our annual campaign. And this past year we hit 108. Wow. So it's a tough time to ask people for money, but it's also like the most important time to ask people for money. And, and so you can't be bashful, uh, when you're serving your community and, and, and that's the approach we took. And we, you know, I had supporters, um, you know, make their, you know, I had, uh, you know, supporters make their normal gift and then plus two or three in COVID relief, you know, you know, and so it, it, I was super proud of our, you know, talk about being proud of, you know, different things during different times that, you know, fund development has been, uh, something I'm passionate about because you, you know, for the why it directly impacts how much you can serve because of that, you know, you have those membership dues covering, you know, your operational costs and stuff like that. And so when you get to raise more money, it's just more money directly back into the community. It's, it's I'm sitting here feeling so good. And I w- am feeling that way because so, okay, so we're going through the pandemic right now. And simultaneously, there's been so much uh, divisiveness, divisiveness going on for various reasons. Sure. What was the difference between uh, right after 9-11 when we had a big thing going on in the country, but it felt like everybody was coming together and and wanting to support everybody. And what's making me feel so good about this conversation is these stories that you don't get to hear all the time in the news or for whatever reason, unless you sit down with uh, David Burkhardt or, you know, right. and have this conversation is, hey, people are people and we're all the same people as, you know, nine years ago as we are today, people just want to help. And so generally, 
people in the community will step up to do what they think is the right thing to do in the community, support the community, whether that's uh, increased funding or reallocation of funds. Or I mean, it's just making me feel so good to hear these stories of the community supporting the community. Um, I'm just I'm really happy that uh, uh, that's going on and that uh, you could sit here and make my week for sure. Uh, awesome. Getting yeah. to hear some really cool stories like that. Yeah, one thing about the why is that we, you know, the last two words in our mission statement are for all. And so, like, that's, you know, economic status, you know, race, religion, uh, beliefs, anything. We're for everyone. And so I think that's a big part of, you know, us not not being into that, you know, world and being in our own uh, world of support. So You get to play outside of it. Or, right, yeah, right, yeah. I, I appreciate that. When we talked a couple weeks ago uh, through the chamber meeting, mm -hmm. you were talking about, uh, I think, a, a run that was coming up. Mm -hmm. And so uh, curious about that and occasional things or like that that you have going on as well. Sure. Yeah. Um, uh, so, yeah, we when we spoke on uh, at our Tempe chamber meeting, uh, I, I, we were gearing up for our second annual uh, Spooky Sprint 5K um, which actually happened on Halloween weekend. Uh, we had to pivot this week, uh, this year, because uh, typically, you know, a race is in person and, uh, you know, the responsible thing to do is not to do that. And, um, and so we pivoted to a virtual race. Uh, which was different and it was, it was unique and it was, uh, it was very successful. And, uh, so people can sign up and, you know, do, you know, 3.1 miles wherever or whenever they wanted during that Halloween weekend. Um, and we did tell people, Hey, we're going to, the, the canal, uh, in Tempe runs right next to the Y. And so we told people, Hey, we're going to be out there Saturday morning, uh, from eight to 10 AM if you want to say hi, and we'll give you an, an elbow you know, bumper or whatever. And, um, and so we had like 68 runners, um, not show up to the canal, but sign up, you know, many different groups, uh, help support us. We had, uh, you know, first race last year, we had two sponsors. We had this four sponsors this year. And so we doubled our sponsors. We had more runners signed up. And so, you know, that was one of those things I was, wasn't sure if we should put the effort and energy into, um, you know, just given the landscape. Um, but I didn't want, my biggest thing is I didn't want to lose momentum for next year sure. and for it to be this, you know, the second first annual <laughs> spooky sprint 5k in 2021. And, uh, and so I really wanted to, for it to happen. And it's, uh, it's a fun race because, uh, we encourage people to dress up, you know, it's Halloween weekend. And so we had a few people come, you know, dressed as Star Trek or skeleton outfit or whatever it may be. And nice. uh, it was still really fun. And, you know, uh, a 5K, I think, is a wonderful Y event. Um, you know, the Y, uh, we're all about healthy living. And, um, you know, so it raised funds for our child care programs. And it was also a healthy living aspect and a family event at all all one. So, so yeah, we had the Spooky Sprint. Uh, about t two weeks ago at this point, you know, almost, but it was really, I, I thought it was wildly successful for the time. You know, are there things that you do throughout the year like that typically that? Yeah. Um, so, uh, so that, that's probably one of our like, uh, only fundraising events, I would say. Yeah. Every April we have, um, what's called healthy kids day. It's typically the last uh, weekend in April. It's a little sneak peek into summer camp that will happen a few weeks later. Um, and it's actually the one event that all YMCA's in the country do, um, is healthy kids day. So, um, uh, we didn't get to have it this year, um, you know, in 2020, but, 
Uh, hopefully there will be some semblance of an event next year, uh, whatever that may look like. But um, uh, so Healthy Kids Day is a big one uh, for us. Uh, we typically have uh, two weeks um, in May where we give out um, about 200 free swim lessons to our community. Mm. And the only criteria, it's called Safety Around Water Week or weeks. And uh, uh, the only criteria to be part of those swim lessons is that you have to be a non-swimmer. Um, and so they're outside the typical swim lessons, you know, where you might learn rotary breathing. Um, it's actually survival skills. And, you know, if, if you were to ever find yourself in an unfortunate situation, how to help yourself and help others, um, you know, for kids, um, you know, we teach them uh, what's called reach, throw, don't go. And so if you see someone that's struggling in the water, you know, uh, you know, you can reach with like a pool noodle or you can throw something in so they can get it, but you don't go in. And so that's one thing we teach. Um, another thing we teach is called a um, uh, jump, push, turn, grab. It's a technique. Uh, so uh, we have, we, you know, the non-swimmers, they don't know how to swim. So we get to a point in the lesson where we teach them, you know, they're comfortable jumping into the water. Um, and then they, you know, push the, off the bottom of the pool, turn and grab the side of the pool. Uh-huh. And so it's just teaching them literally life-saving skills. Um, so they're safe around water. Um, and then we do dry land stuff during those weeks too. We teach them, you know, what does a lifeguard look like? How to, you know, the, this is what you should do. This is how you call 911. And, um, a lot of times we'll have like, um, pool fencing companies come in and talk. Um, we have a great partnership with the Drowning Prevention Coalition. Um, and so that that's a very really special two weeks that we have in May that, again, we did not get to have this this year. Uh, we were able to do some social media stuff, um, you know, virtually, but it's not the same as the, you know, the experience. Sure. Um, after that, we have, you know, summer camp's big. It's like our Super Bowl, um, you know, making sure that, you know, there's no you know, education slip in that time period. Uh, we'll make sure the kids are having a fun, safe summer. Um, it's such a, you know, from the Northeast and summers, summer's so different here because it's hot, you know, too hot. And, you know, I, I'll forget, never forget my first summer out here. Um, you know, I was like, hey, bring the kids outside, like the, be outside more. And they're like, well, Dave, it's 120. <laughs> like, what are you? <laughs> oh, yes, that's right. I have to like check myself on that. But yeah, and then uh, two major things coming up for us um, for to close out the year is, uh, we have uh, what's called the Thanksgiving basket drive, uh, which is happening in ten days. You know, a lot of you know, a lot of that might be internally uh, amongst our childcare families that are, you know, sh- struggling to you know bills are already tight. You know, to add a special you know big meal on top of that for you know their family is going to be tough. So uh, we're at, what we do is it's a program called Togetherhood uh, in our in our branch. So our members actually participate and bring, uh, you know, canned goods, um, and, uh, things that make us Thanksgiving meal. And we give it, we're able to give it to, you know, oftentimes it's a lot of our childcare families or other part, other members that, uh, let us know that they need support. That's great. That is really cool. Um, can outside people drop things off or is it for a member? Is it a member only drive? Absolutely. And, uh, we'd be for the next, uh, I would say, eight days here, we'd be more than welcoming, uh, to, you know, Thanksgiving, you know, the Thanksgiving foods that you, you know, find at the grocery store, like cranberries, you know, a few boxes of mac and cheese, potatoes, mashed potatoes, stuff like that. Um, also what we actually prefer cool. would be, uh, um, like a gift card that we can give to the families so they can, um, uh, shop them. So that's one thing that we've had this year. Um, we've had more members donating, uh, 
to for either us to go shopping for the families or to just give it to the families. Uh, you know, one, they don't want to be in a grocery store more times than they need to be. And two, just the passing off of, you know, goods and stuff like that. Um, so either one is great. Love it. Cool. Anyone is there listening? a specific denomination? Oh, <laughs> Go ahead, Jeff. Sorry, Kyle. Is there a specific denomination that you prefer, like to break it up or any amount? Yeah, typically um, $100, like a gift card or something like that would get, you know, a, a solid Thanksgiving meal with a turkey. So Very cool. Great. So what are... Have you have you done much thinking about uh, you know what are your hopes for and and vision for the your YMCA you know beyond twenty twenty one is it continuing to do more of what you're doing now do you have specific things like in, hey we'd love to also do this in our five year plan or anything like that that what does it look like in the future years sure yeah no that's a great question you know I I think I I have like a a big um a big dream of building a new why, you know, way down the line. I'm talking like way down the line. And so, you know, serving the most people possible every year is my goal. Um, You know, whether it's having, um, you know, doubling our childcare program or having more kids in youth sports or, um, you know, having, teaching more kids how to swim, uh, things like that and expanding our reach. um, That's probably my, my goal every year is to serve the most amount of people possible um, our job at the Y is to help, you know, raise a, a well-adjusted adult into society. And, you know, we do that through our programs. And and so uh, getting more kids in our programs, uh, more adults, um, uh, being able to, you know, they might be, you know, widow or widower and they don't have anyone out home, you know, where, where their family that they see every day. You know, it's really tough because the Y, the Y is a place to gather. And we're not supposed to be gathering right now. <laughs> and so that's probably the, the the rub on everything is like, you know, we want to do everything. We want to do it safe. Um, and we're committed to doing those things. Um, um, so, yeah, so five, five, ten years, I'd love to get something going on, um, you know, some partnership with, uh, you know, ASU in regards to serving young adults um, in some capacities. Um, you know, we're, we're in a little pocket right now. And, you know, we're on a busy street, which is rural road. And. You know, we're, we're probably, I don't know if we're considered South Tempe or not yet. I think that Elliot is like the marker, but you know, uh, I'd love to serve more of South Tempe. I'd love to serve more of me, you know, the zip code we're in. And I'd love to serve one thing that we're not doing much now is, is North Tempe. And it's hard, hard. And that's where, you know, you know, downtown is and stuff like that. And, uh, being able to serve those populations in different capacities, you know, maybe not a brick and mortar, place like we have now, um, you know, in South Tempe, but to be able to serve, um, you know, in the North area with programming is is something that I'd like to do as well. You just said something that struck a chord with me, which is a, and I recognize in it, the issue that you have right now is that a, a community gathering place, the corner of that room that you've been in before, uh, when we tore out everything in this whole floor and we're building this. It started with that and said, we're going to have this be a place where people can gather in the community and have respectful discord. And it feels like, or it has felt like, you know, we've lost a lot of those community gathering spots and, and, uh, uh, de-emphasis of importance of various, uh, institutions that we used to find much more important. And so, 
I mean, that's my biggest takeaway today is a shift in perception of the YMCA from, uh, like you said, you know, the gym and swim and, and a little bit of knowledge of some of the other things that are going on. But that very important piece and that role that you play in the community of a community gathering spot, that to me, I'm sure it provides so much value to individual people's lives. But that's giving so much back to the broader community as well to just have access to something like that. What? How much time do you spend thinking about that part of it and being like that role in the community versus finding the next person who's going to be a member of your community? Or I mean, do you do you ever spend time thinking about it that in that way that you are acting as sort of this place that uh, we don't have a lot of anymore? Yeah, I, I, I think that's my main focus. I think my main focus is like, you know, how do we, I mean, not right now, but like, yeah. how do, how do we get them? How do we serve the most people? And, and it's not, it's not about, you know, pumping a basketball league full of kids. It's about, you know, those, those kids in our basketball league might not have like a father figure and their, and their, vol, their volunteer coach is like someone that they can look up to. And so, you know, we do, that's where the shift in the conversation comes from gym and swim to, no, we're doing amazing work. And, and it's, and it's a lot of it's volunteer led, um, you know, program wise, um, you know, kids are depending on us for, for their meals, you know, st stuff like that. Um, I, I mentioned, you know, the widow or widower earlier, like we have a huge active older adult population. I think I'm, this is the third time I'm mentioning it in this spot, you know, on this radio, but, um, you know, it, it's true where they, you know, those folks live alone and they, the why is their family. And, you know, I have this conversation with um, anyone that works, you know, in frontline with us or just any employee, really, because everyone's working frontline right now. But yeah. it's, um, you know, we we as we greet, you know, members walking through the door and saying, hey, how's your day going? And, and now taking their temperatures as they're walking through the door. But as we're greeting them, it's it's we are they see us every single day. You know, a lot a lot of them, I'm not gonna say everyone, but a lot we are part of their routine. And, uh, you know, just knowing that, you know, we mean so much to them. And the, uh, I'll give a little anecdote that I think says that. So we'll, we'll get cards from our members that go on vacation. And it's, it's just bizarre to me. Like, do you do you ever think about your fitness facility when <laughs> when when you go on vacation and be like, man, I wonder how they're doing? And no, they like go get a postcard and send it to the Y when they go on vacation. And we know they're going on vacation and we know when the date they're going to be back. And, and like, you know, because they tell us for weeks coming up and and, you know, we have some members that are like, oh, is your membership director in? Like, uh, you know, I want to she needs to help me with something. I was like, Oh, I can help you out. She's like, no, you know, I want to talk to your membership director. Cause like, <laughs> she's so like, you know, that's who helps her out every yeah. day. And so we, we just means, you know, and it's, uh, you know, from, you know, the kids that come in our preschool program at three years old, you know, to our 93 years old, you know, we are an important part of their everyday life. And, um, but so I would say to answer your question, I'd say, yeah, that's how, that's how I look at our, our why. And, you know, going back to, you know, back in London, England, you know, that's the whole purpose of starting the why was to help, help get, keep kids like out of trouble during the industrial revolution. And so George Williams started a Bible club, you know, 
just to, you know, go over, you know, passages and stuff like that. And it was to, you know, help those kids, you know, stay on a good course, you know, to open up more opportunities for them. And so not much is different from 1844 to now with the why. We do it in a little different manners, but at the same time, we don't, you know. George Williams Bible Club study was like a teen program and we run a teen program now. And, you know, like we run a teen leaders club and, you know, and so there's a lot that's the same after 175 years and not a lot of organizations can say that. That's amazing. Mm -hmm. I think it's so interesting. And I think it really plays to the, I've been reading a lot of books and different things. And I I really admire leaders who've overcome adversity and, and all of those things. But I think the key to success in many of those people is the community that surrounds them. So just what you were saying, maybe it's one of their parents or both of their parents can't show up in a way that they really needed. But if they are supported by a community of people, um, their chance of success is so much higher. And so I think that's that's so incredible um, to be able to provide that support. I mean, what's what's the difference between... That's how everything should be, right? I shouldn't use the word should. Uh, so, but still, being an entrepreneur and being like lonely, who do I talk to? I'm trying to run this thing and who can I share this stuff with? And having, I mean, we don't sell square feet of space here. We right. sell this engagement with a community that happens to be in this place. And so, what's it's the same exact thing, right? It's this connectedness that you wouldn't get otherwise. And that's the real value that's there is feeling connected to somebody beyond just you that can show you how they can show you how whether that's to uh, really specifically survive when you're in the swimming pool, or, you know, live life and get to where you want to be and do that in a healthy, productive way. That's right. And, and people that walk through the wide doors, you know, even if they're just you know, have their headphones on and, and about to go on the treadmill for 30 minutes and then leave and not talk to anyone, you know, that's okay too. They're there to make themselves better. And that's like, generally people are in a, just a wonderful mood when they come into the Y because they're there to make themselves better. Their parents are there to drop their kids off for a better environment. You know, wh- whatever it is that they're, you know, our sports participants are learning teamwork skills, you know, and like how to win, how to lose, right? And overcoming adversity and, you know, that every program that we have um, is geared towards just making a better human. So so I want to make sure we have time for a last couple of questions, yeah. which have nothing to do with anything. Sure. We ask everybody and we're keeping track of our that. answers. Yeah. Uh, so first question, what is your all time favorite book? And if it's different, what book would you recommend? What's your all-time favorite book? Yeah, you got me. You got me going on like just empowerment stuff. Um, Switch has been really good for me. If you guys ever read Switch, no, uh, it, it it's just it talks about a different way of thinking. Um, but if you're really to ask me, it's uh, Harry Potter four. So oh, <laughs> I need my daughter. That's, like, that's the go- the Goblet one. My daughter. Yes. My daughter got the whole series. I've never read a Harry Potter book. I've oh, seen really? all the movies a yeah. bunch of times, but I she read them and I was like, all right. It's my turn now. Well, give me those books. So yeah, Harry uh, Potter four. Those uh, when I was growing up, those books came out every summer. You know, we would drive down to Myrtle Beach from New York, and uh, I would get them on tape or a CD. And so I didn't actually read them, I guess, but, but you know, listen to them. It counts. Yes. This is so funny and random, but so my husband's family is all from New York um, as well, and his family was like the one family that moved to Arizona, and the rest of his um, his brother and sister live in the East Coast, and. 
um, extended family, but his cut, his um, aunt lives in West and uncle live in Westchester County and they just retired and they sold their house and now they're moving to Myrtle beach. And so you just said Myrtle beach. So this is like the thing that New Yorkers yeah. do. Yeah. It's like uh, it's a 12 hour drive. It's, it's not bad. We used to leave at three in the morning, get to Myrtle beach by, you know, two or 3 PM. Um, the next day, um, what part of Westchester County do you know? Did they live in? I'm curious. Um, it's like right next to White Plains. Oh my goodness, it's like super close to me. Yeah, Val- really? Valhalla, maybe, or something like that. There's a lot of towns there, but anyway, that's it warms my heart just hearing New York oh. stuff. And uh, <laughs> yeah. Um, but yeah, Myrtle Beach was a, an obtainable drive. Um, you know, uh, Florida's like a two dayer, so Myrtle Beach is a one day. Nice. Okay, that helps me make sense of it. It just feels like from, I've lived in Arizona my whole life. So like, it just felt so random, but like that's where they vacation in the summers and then that's where they're retiring. And so Mm -hmm. it's helpful. Okay, so for my questions, I have two. Um, The first one is either personally or professionally, what's one lesson that you've learned from COVID um, that you plan to carry with you in the future? This is probably a, the personal answer here. I had a, on May 1st, I, I had my second, we had me and my wife welcomed our second child and in, into life. Congratulations. <laughs> thank you. Thank mm-hmm. you. So I got like a almost seven month old, eight month old now. Wow. And uh, first off, you know, life with two kids is just like a game, a different, whole different ball game. And, mm-hmm. and so um, my first, my first, you know, my first daughter, you know, super easy um you know she took the adventure with us moving out here obviously but um you know it's been it's been a different perspective because you worry about things that's out of your control and you can and so my biggest thing I think I've taken away is like you can only control what you can control and then and that ha- that happened because you know there at the time this the the peak of Arizona's first you know wave of this was supposed to be May 1st or April 30th or whatever it was and um and so we were nervous like I, was I going to be able to go be in the room when you know she was born we had all these concerns you know by the way the hospital was like dead empty and it was like great and cuz like the maternity wing was over here and like it was like the best experience for us and we actually felt super safe because you know we didn't know if we were going to be safe or what but um and and throughout the whole process, it was, we can only control what we can control, you know, and make decisions based on that. So that's what, what do I keep saying? You have to try and get comfortable being uncomfortable and you can only control what you can, t- can control, which I hate when people tell me because it makes me have to think about that right. and really get into that, but is the best advice you can give somebody right now. I mean, yeah. And I think, I mean, I learned that lesson as well, um, becoming a mom. And I think like parenthood, one of the many beautiful lessons is really like, there's so much out of your control and letting go of some of that. Because if you think about it, all the list of things you could worry about as just as a parent, let alone like a leader or business person, you'd stay up all night. So letting go of some of that is, um, is good. And congratulations. Thank you. Uh, Kyle has two as well, and I have three. Wow. So, it's good times. Yeah. 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 Um, but for my last question, mm-hmm. um, what is one thing that most people don't know about you and they're surprised when they find out? I, I don't I don't know how to answer that. Maybe. Uh, I'm, I'm trying to think. I'm trying to think of something that's a wowing and I can't. A lefty from New York. <laughs> uh, that's yeah. Well, yeah, here we go. I'm, uh, I grew up in New York, but lived in Boston. 
about that. There you go. So that that was, is actually very special. Yeah. My sister, my dad is from Boston and my sister went to school in Boston. And so I spent my summers in, in Massachusetts. And I swear that was like a point of contention. Like my husband almost didn't marry me because of my New England yeah. ties. Yeah, I'm gonna have to send this link to my uh, my in laws now. They, you know, they're they're from the mass they're from Massachusetts. Their dog's name's Brady. You know, and uh, <laughs> you know, typical. Um, and so, you know, during holidays, uh, the Pats game's on or something like that. And I'm in the corner watching the Jets and, you know, it's not, <laughs> it's not enjoyable for me, but, um, yeah. <laughs> but it's, Which, it's good. The, it's good. Yeah. The last Monday night game, the Jets almost beat them. Right? I know. Almost. Yeah. Almost. I was hoping they would lose though. Cause we need that number one pick. <laughs> <laughs> My husband's a Jets fan too. And he was screaming at the TV. I'm like, this is literally the only time I've ever heard you ye- yell for the Patriots. Yeah. Him and I got to start an AZ Jets fan club. Really? <laughs> yeah. As we're wrapping up here, uh, can you tell people listening, uh, how to find you online, whether it's, uh, you know, to find you in person, to donate, to whatever. How do we find you? Uh, yeah, um, I would say the best resource is uh, valleyymca.org. Um, you know, we 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 are one big organization, uh, Valley of the Sun YMCA. We've been in the Valley for, gosh, 50 or 60 years at least. Um, you know, we started, a, our downtown location started as a, um, a place for, you know, uh, men after they came back from war, uh, almost like transitional housing. Um, you know, uh, you know, wise used to be like, you know, it's fun to stay at the YMCA, you know, the wise used to be like hostels, you know, a lot of, a lot of that, um, business. And then, you know, we've changed our model and stuff like that, but, uh, valleyymca.org, um, you know, find your local branch, um, here in the East Valley, we have, you know, one in Tempe Chandler, uh, Mesa and Ahwatukee. And so we got, you know, four awesome locations, um, within, you know, 10 minutes of each other. And I would say uh, if you're looking to donate, find the Tempe YMCA, just Google it, um, and there's a, a donate button. And all of that is appreciated. Great. I definitely have learned so much today. And uh, thank you, David, for, for being on the show today. It was a great conversation. And until next time, thank you for being an awesome part of the community. Yeah. Thank you guys so much for having me. Thank you for listening to the Max 6 Community Connection radio show and podcast with your hosts, Jennifer Burwell and Kyle McIntosh. We are off to continue building better communities where people and businesses thrive and telling the stories of capitalism as a force for good through the businesses that we serve. To be a part of the conversation, join us for a tour of the Max 6 Entrepreneurial Center in Tempe, Arizona, or find us at max6.com.